Hello, you're listening to Great Relationships. I'm Paul Moore, here with Herman Eben, where great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. In fact, right now, Paul, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Can you name your design in one word? My design in one word? Yes, I can. Are you ready? Ready. Smooth. <laughs> no. <laughs> you may be, but that's not the word that I'm looking for. In fact, let me pray for you. No, let, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to once again look at your word, to look at life, to look at the way it works best. And if we will get your eyes the way you have asked us in your word to see life through your eyes, we rise above those things that are truly petty in life and treat each other the right way. Pray for our time. Pray that you would give us clarity in your precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. And thank you for the prayer. But clearly in that prayer, I'm seeing that smooth is not the right answer. <laughs> not the right answer is exactly right. Well, I was going with big sexy, but that was two words. <laughs> but here's what I do know. I'm sorry. I, I'm stumbling around because I don't know. I can't name my design in one word. But in our time together, what I have learned is... There's a solution and a problem. And the problem is anytime I make it about me and the solution is making it about others. I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate going back because that makes all the sense in the world that we revisit some of those things before we start talking about the design. Because what we have provided to you is all of this information about the solution and the problem to a degree, but we really haven't identified as much of the problem as we need to. So how would you summarize what we've learned so far in a variety of these shows? First and foremost, <laughs> that I'm smooth. Okay, what have I learned? Honestly, that I'm the problem. Okay, and how do we say that? My flashing me. That's right. I have a flashing me. That's exactly right. And what's the solution to this problem? To make it about others. And how do we say that? Well, two things. The me part, the flashing me part, mm -hmm. you gave me a scripture, James 3.16. I love that scripture. When it, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. That's a great scripture. But we also need to remember that solution. Right. And the solution you gave me was a new definition for love, mm -hmm. biblically based out of First Corinthians and also Ephesians 5. And that definition is that making it about others is love is pursuing another's best patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditional. Wow, I love that. Great job, Paul. You, you're doing very well. Outstanding. So what are the tools that we use to implement this solution? Okay, you gave me three tools, but then there's a real underlying watch phrase that you gave me too. Um, the three tools, if I remember correctly, are freedom, mm -hmm. forgiveness, and... Confession. There you Confession, go. freedom, and forgiveness. There you go. Oh, why am I thinking FFL? And no, because I'm thinking the definition of love. But you're right. For it to work, I have to have the ability to confess, freedom, and forgiveness. That's right. Those are the three tools. That's right. And then there is another very important issue that we have covered here uh, recently that you really want to pay attention to. And the way that you can remember this one is emotions slow the emotions down. When you have those four components, you have a much greater chance to implement this solution to 
pursue the best for other people rather than flash your own me. Therefore, we uh, have an opportunity for relationships to become superior, to become great, to enjoy them for a change. Okay, well, I understand slowing my emotions down. That makes sense. But how does confession, freedom, and forgiveness allow me to do that? Well, the solution is all about pursuing another's best, right? Right. If I'm going to pursue your best, I want to be talking to you, confessing to you where, I ha- where I've harmed you, right? And if you've harmed me, I want to be forgiving you so that I'm not holding those, that, that grudge or that bitterness against you. And notice what both of those two tools do. They help you get over the past and get back into the present to start thinking about the future. Then freedom fits into those in a huge way because it's basically saying, I'm going to give you the freedom to be you. You don't have to become the type of person I want you to be. I'm therefore not judging. So judgment and removing this judgmental mentality helps us dramatically when we, in a relationship, that is, when we provide freedom into the relationship. Okay, now if I can, you said, so what have I learned so far? Most of what I've learned has come out of the various sections in Chapter 8 of our course material on the website, greatrelationships.com, gr, numeral eight, relationships.com. That's all predominantly chapter eight. So that's right. If I'm not quite sure, that's where I need to go. But and, you in, asked, and, and in chapter seven is all about the solution. That's, really? That's where you can read all about the solution and do some uh, exercises there on First Corinthians 13. Okay, but you told me my design in one word. And, and as I'm thinking this, as I'm kind of doing this review with you, You're reminding me that there's a question. It's my 2 o'clock in the morning question that I want to ask you. I've got the problem and the solution. Mm -hmm. I've got these four elements, you know, the three tools. And you've given me this incredible definition for love, and it really spurs me not to want to make it about me. You had a conversation with me about humility and its importance to be humble, how God resists the proud, Mm -hmm. but he exalts the humble, Mm -hmm. right? All right. So I've got to be willing to be willing. But in all of this, I can't help but think that there's something else there. We're not quite at bedrock. You're helping me build, but I'm not quite to the bedrock to lay this foundation. Well, we've given you all of these wonderful tools, but we haven't gone back and visited that foundation. And that's the reason why we're going to take the time now to go back and visit some very important things, to be able to identify our design in one word. There is a one word that can define what a man's design is. There's one word that can define what a woman's design is. And you need to know those because you're going to start learning what is the fuel that drives this flashing me. But we need to understand the designs before we go there. So there's some unknown judgments sitting okay, out there. Okay, but the problem, the problem is anytime I make it about me, and now you're saying fuel. So the flashing me is the fire, and you're telling me there's something that's a fuel to the fire? That's exactly right. But you'll have to wait for that. But wait. wait. <laughs> I knew it was coming. It's but not wait. long. You know, it's been a while. You said, but wait. Okay, now you've taken not playing with matches to a whole new level. Right. I don't want you to be focused on the judgments because in order to really understand the judgments, you really need to know your design. As judgments? A man, you mean God's judgments on me? God's judgment on men, God's judgment on women. Yes. If I understand the design, I have a better chance to be able to understand the judgments. So and we're which going to, design is this? I'm just being The sure. design of men, the design of women. 
how God made both men and women. And there's plenty of people that will say, well, I know how, how, how we're made. You may not. You may not. I'd, and in fact, I'd be willing to bet that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are probably sitting there because you've already said my one word, God made me smooth. <laughs> That's right, baby, smooth. But God does have a design for men and women, and in order to understand the judgments, we want to go through there first. So what we want to do is go to Genesis chapter 1. One of the things that we often miss is how much wonderful relationship information there is in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Well, I got to tell you, when I think about relationships, Genesis is not in the top That's exactly right. You will not be looking there. But I'm going to tell you that the design of men and women is there, and the reason why men and women struggle with each other because of the judgments is there. Those, and, and there's plenty of other things, but those are two critical issues. Wow. So I'm going to get my one word definition, but I have to wait. That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll be back right after this. Again, the website is greatrelationships.com, G-R, numeral eight, relationships.com. I bring that up because there are a lot of options there. You can go back and click on the radio tab and listen to any of the other previous programs, or you can go to the course material where there is a study guide, videos available, and what's even really cool, you can share it with people you care about. And we hope you do and we hope to hear back from you. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes from God's Word for great relationships. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. Philippians 2, 3. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and uh, what's that I keep forgetting? Oh, yes, your minds. It's hard to think well. Simple Tools for Brain Surgery gives you the right tools. Here's Worldview Academy's Bill Jack. When the delegates at the Constitutional Convention couldn't reach agreement, Ben Franklin stood and said, In the beginning of the contest with Britain, we had daily prayers in this room for divine protection. Our prayers were heard. And have we now forgotten that powerful friend? I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. We have been assured that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. He called the convention to prayer, and after they prayed, they reached agreement. The power of prayer, not the political savvy of delegates, brought the colonies together as one nation. Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, go to worldview.org. And we're back. Great relationships. That's grnumeral8relationships.com greatrelationships.com. You can click on the radio tab, listen to this, share this, and find any of the reference material we're talking about. Which brings me to this point, Herman. Before the break, you said, I bet you can't name your design in one word, and I'm still sticking with smooth. <laughs> yeah, I bet you will. You're going to sp- stick with that forever, aren't you? Well, I'm going to be working on it till I get it right. But really, before the break, you asked me that question, right? Could I name my design? And we talked about the problem and the solution. 
Mm-hmm. Right. The problem is anytime I make it about me, the solution, make it about others. You gave me three tools, but the paramount thing from that confession, freedom and forgiveness was the new definition of love and slowing my emotions down. Right. So having said all that, being a good student in review, can I have this definition? Definition of your one word definition yes, of sir. your design? No, you can't have it right now. Ah, well, what it, about the judgments you were talking about? No, in fact, uh, if you're just dying to know a little bit more about the judgments, go to Genesis 3, 16 through 19. You can see a little bit about But I'm not going to tell you about it because you really need to know something about your design before we get into the judgments. If you don't know your design, you will not understand the judgments and the power of the judgments as much. So let's dive into... The design. The design is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, but we're not going to quite get the design because I want to tell you that Dr. Roy Zook presents a very interesting argument that the whole theological center of the Bible are those three verses, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And if you remember right, rather than just reading all of it, uh, I'll read the first part. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over all the creeping things on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, if you read that passage, you're going to see some extremely important information that we believe is bedrock information about the image of God being bestowed on men and women. Okay, wait a minute. You said the bedrock information. We were talking about this before the break. And all the things we've talked about thus far in the program, we're building a structure. Mm-hmm. This is the bedrock which we're laying the foundation that we are made in the image of God. That's exactly right. And we're going to cover the image of God. But first, the issue for us is to figure out how we can look at the design of men and women and get it down into one word so that we'll understand the differences between men and women a little bit better. There's been lots of research, lots of books, but we don't pay attention to what God's word is saying to us here. Wait a minute. I've got to ask a simple question. You said in being able to understand the difference in design between men and women, this is going to lead me into the differences between the judgments on men and women? That's right. You'll understand the judgments better if you understand the design. So, The theological center is talking about the designs of men and women. It's talking about the image of God, and it's talking about the purpose for man and woman being put here in the first place. And that purpose was that we were to have dominion over the the world, over the sea, over everything that's in it. And what happened is sin came along, and it destroyed our ability to have that dominion because now Satan is the ruler. We could go into a lot more depth on that, but most people have a tendency to say salvation is the key purpose for the Bible. Actually, salvation is needed to reestablish the purpose. That's why salvation is needed. We were designed to have dominion over the world. We were designed to have all of what God has stated to us in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Sin entered. The ruler of the world became Satan. God said, I have a plan from the beginning, obviously, and I'm going to send my son to reestablish that purpose. That's the reason why the, this whole idea is 
those verses are the center of the Bible okay. as it relates theologically. Theological center of the Bible. I just got to state this back because you went really quick, and I realize there's more you could expound on. I get that. But quickly, theological center of the Bible, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Right. That we were created to have dominion. God gave it to us. Mm-hmm. We did something, sin, sin entered, Satan gets a hold of it, and God says, wait a minute, I've got a redemptive plan, here it is. Bingo. Excellent, excellent summary. That's where we want to go. With that as the backdrop, then we have set the foundation a little bit more for talking about the design of men and women, because right there in that passage, it says that man and woman were designed in the image of God. But let's look at the design of men first. Let's look at the design of men first. Okay, wait a minute. Two things if I can, just to be sure I can stay focused. We're not talking about salvation here. Redemption is part of God's plan. We're talking about why there is a difference in design between men and women. That's right. That's but yet what we're, we're made in his image. We are made in his image. That's right. We wanted to establish, here's the reason why I want to talk about the theological center first before I talk about designs. I'm saying that those verses cover something that is so important that it is part of the bedrock foundation of the entirety of what we're talking about with relationships here. We need to understand the designs of men and women. We need to understand what the image of God is. We need to understand all these things, and they're talked about right here in the theological center of the Bible. That's the reason why I'm bringing that up. Okay. So on into Genesis chapter 2, the creation of man. Let's look at what God did when he created man. And notice in Genesis 2, verses 5 through 7 and verse 15, verse 5 in chapter 2, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the earth, and the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. You have the design of man specifically stated right there in those four verses. Notice back up in verse 5, it says there was no man to what? To till the ground. To till the ground. And then in verse 15, it says, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, to, to what? To tend and keep the garden. So if we took those verses and just look at the facts, first and foremost, the garden had no man to till the ground or to work the ground, depending upon what uh, uh, translation you're using. Then in verse 15, the Lord God took the man to tend and keep it, to work it, to uh, take care of it. So if you take those words and you look at them, what comes to your mind if you think of tilling the ground or tending and keeping the ground? What comes to your mind? Work. Absolutely. That is the design of man. He is designed to work. When you Wait look a minute. At this. I thought work was a curse. Oh, I tell you what, there's so many people that think that. That is so interesting. So many people have a tendency to think that the judgment is that we are to have to work. Not true. We are designed to work and work was put in place for man 
prior to sin entering. So that implies that work is very, very good. Work is very good, okay? Not only are we designed to work, but we are designed to need a compatible helper. Well, I was going to say, so you're telling me women were designed to work too. Well, actually, they're designed differently. We want to talk about that in a little bit, but men are designed to work. And it's not a curse. And it's not a curse. I'm designed to work. Absolutely not. And men are not only designed to work, but they're designed to need a suitable helper. That's what's so important. We aren't designed to be alone. We're designed to need a suitable helper. That's funny because God said, right? That it's not good for me to be alone. Yeah, that's what we want to look at. I thought it was at. my mother. <laughs> and that's what we want to look at here to see as we're looking at the design of, of uh, women that there is something that God has made very, very clear to us. And that is this idea of helper. We want to be careful about how we use that word helper. But keep in your mind, work is not the problem. It's the fact that the judgment that creates this work, and I, and I don't want to give you the answer to that yet. <laughs> I know, by the way. By the way, that's exactly right. Hold on to that. So man is designed to work, and woman is designed differently than that, but man is designed to need this compatible helper also. Wonderful. And we have to wait until after this to find out what it was. Great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes from God's Word for great relationships. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Romans 12:10. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral eight relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. back. GreatRelationships.com is the website. That's GRNumeral8Relationships.com, where you can find this program and a host of other great things. Before the break, we were talking about women's design and helpmate and stuff, and there's just all kinds of stuff with that. And forgive me, I'm here, I'm selfish, and I want to go back to this whole work thing, because I want to know when God designed Adam. Mm Mm-hmm. 
did work then mean what it does now? I don't see Adam going to the office. I see him in the field going, telling me bananas, daylight coming, I want to go home. Good question, simply because work doesn't mean that you have to be in the agricultural economy. Work is simply physical or mental effort being applied to try to produce something. That's all work is. And you and I work differently than Adam was in the Garden of Eden, right? We work differently. Our work is still trying to produce something. Okay, but like, what about somebody who loves to cook? They don't consider that work. It's still trying to produce something. It doesn't, see, the way that we typically define work, notice, again, as I said before the break, we have a tendency to look at work as if it's a judgment on us. It's a curse, it's drudgery, it's something that's really bad. Well, unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people think about it. But work to a lot of people can be fun. It can be enjoyable. Okay, so it, what did God intend? God intends for us to be looking at work in a good way because he instituted work before the sin. That's what's so important for us to keep in mind. God, so do I work for me or do I work for others? You can work either direction. Working for yourself is still trying to produce something, right? It's effort being applied to produce something, mental or physical effort to produce something. Okay, but if I'm making Levi's, that doesn't sound like keep and tend the garden. I'm a financial planner. That doesn't sound like keep and tend the garden. But it's the symbolism of keep and tend the garden to till the garden that is referring us to the idea of work. Man is designed to provide, protect, and preserve. Man is designed to create something. Man is designed to have this physical and mental effort to produce something. That is what his design is all about. That's the concept of testosterone. That's the reason why man has testosterone is to produce, is to provide, is to protect, is to preserve. Those are three great P words to remember related to a man's design. Provide, protect, preserve. And so if we keep that in our mind, then we can understand that this idea of work is not something bad. God initiated work. He started it before the sin in the Garden of Eden. God intends for man to work because he specifically said, I need a man to tend and keep the ground. I don't think I realize that. I keep thinking that work came after the fall, not before. That's right. And we will have a tendency to think that because once we get into the judgments, You'll see why we tend to think about work in a bad way. Uh, God invented man to work. God invented man's work. You can see all of this in Chapter 2 on the website, Great Relationships, GR8, the number 8, relationships.com. Go to Chapter 2, and you will see in Chapter 2 these six elements of what God has done to say that work is good and it's from him. And this is Great Relationships Material Chapter 2, not Genesis 2. Right. Thank so, you for clarifying that. No, no, that. no, because yeah. I'm getting confused. You're telling mm -hmm. me that the judgments are in Genesis 3, I have to wait. We're over here in creation in Genesis 1, yeah. and then you're saying in Chapter 2 you're going to see it's a good thing, and I'm like, is that Genesis 2? No, it's, it's Great Relationships Great Material Chapter, chapter two. 2. That's right. So let me give you those six elements of why work is good and from God again. God initiated work. God intends for man to work. God invented man to work. God invented man's work. God instructs man's work. And God belongs at the inception of man's work. If you want work to work for you, so to speak, 
then that is the way you want to consider it. So man is designed to work, and we're going to give you some more information on why the hormones fit into this in a, such a powerful way. Well, then that's only going to make sense because this is what God intended. So then he built us according he, to that That's design. right. Man is, and then you're going to be able to see why the man's design and the woman's design fit back into this image of God that we'll define for you a little bit later, too. Well, thank you for that, because it only makes sense. You know, a car doesn't know why it's a car. Right. The folks who designed it back in Detroit know why they put into it what they put into it. So here I am, a man, and the media, the world's trying to tell me how I am, and you're basically saying, no, let's go back to the designer's manual. That's right. If you understand the design of man you understand the design of women and understand how it fits the image of God, then you're going to know why God hates divorce because the coming together of a man and a woman is the best representation of the image of God. And God is saying that is beautiful. And when you end up getting divorced, it separates that image of God that God has planted in both of us. That's a critical truth. Absolutely critical truth. Herman, I'm sorry, but my selfish question, we've run out of time. I didn't get to hear about what about women? What about that adequate helper? Mm. And and that's a touchy, touchy subject. A lot of people have been hurt with that. So until next time, Paul Moore and Herman Even, we are great relationships. GRNumeral8relationships.com, the website. Join us next time as we delve deeper. to Name Your Design. Meet Bill Johnson, a sanitation engineer from Los Banos, California. In our last show, Bill was just about to answer the question, Name Your Design, when we ran out of time. Can you name your design in one word? May I ask a question first? I know I'm created in God's image, but aren't women created in God's image too? Yes, in fact, the coming together of man and woman is the best representation of the image of God. That must be why God hates divorce. Divorce separates the image of God that he planted in man and woman. I'm ready to name my design in one word. Work. Now you're on to the bonus round. Here's your question. Why is it that when you move something from one place to another in a car, it's called shipping, but if you do that with a boat, it's called cargo? Herman invites you to join us next week as he discusses the designs of men and women. As always, shipping cargo is not included. Great relationships, right thinking, right relationships, right now.